0: This is episode number 125 with Dave Yaden.
1: For me as an artist, it's, it's beautiful. You know, if you look at it, like if, if I look at my YouTube channel or my Instagram as, as a, a TV channel, I have no boss. I can put out exactly what I want. I can put out what I want, when I want. I can be as personal as I want. I can be as artistic as I want. I am the end all be all. Nothing has to get approved. And that's very, very beautiful. And I, in general, I try to look at it like that and there were just little things that would happen along the way that made me feel like more and more that the answers that I had grown up with were answers that human beings had come up with and that they didn't have the answer either. But I I had to live a lot of life to test it. I've seen what love does, and I have found that that's the rule. That's why I arrived at it. I have found that I've been alive for 41 years, and the thing that is consistent more than anything else is love
0: welcome to claiming your truth podcast i'm your host franny nicole when we are born we're not told about the struggles that life will present and how it will affect us within Over time, we begin dealing with the frustration, the loss, the huge obstacles and roadblocks that life inevitably puts in our way. And for some, this is a breaking point. And for others, this is where they thrive. Each week, We'll bring you the breakdowns and breakthrough stories from some of the most influential people in their fields. It is these stories of redemption we hope will resonate, creating a space for that is powerful, productive, and life-changing. Because when it all comes down to it, all you have to do is claim your truth. Welcome back. Franny Nicole here. Happy Thursday. Paolo Coelho once said, the moment we begin to seek love, love begins to seek us and to save us. I'm no expert in love, but my experience is that love makes the rest of life worth living. Without love, all the money and power and possessions in the world would be worthless. Love cannot be captured and just stored away somewhere. Loving qualities such as devotion and loyalty are immeasurable even with the most sophisticated tools. And because its essence cannot be captured, love is sometimes seemingly hard to find in this world. But when we begin to search for it, we are often rewarded in the most unexpected ways. Love requires risk, love requires trust, and most of all, love requires courage, especially when we're afraid. But if we can keep our hearts full of light and continue searching, despite uncertainty, it is in these moments we become saved. So for this week's mantra, I choose, I accept abundant love, happiness, and positive energy into my life. Just by saying this, it will automatically lift your energy levels and get you in a positive mindset to start the day. Everyone deserves an abundance of joy and love in their lives but not everyone believes it you must believe that you are deserving of positivity love and abundance in order to receive it the universe responds to your energy every second so make sure you put out into the world what you want to receive i accept abundant love happiness and positive energy into my life i'm super excited to introduce to you today's guest dave yaden I first came across Dave's Instagram page when a mutual friend posted a picture with him and I had to find out who he was. After listening to his music, I knew I had to reach out to him and hear his story. And that's exactly what I did. I slid into his DMs on Instagram and I said, I have to meet you and I would love to have you come on the podcast. I was pretty surprised how bold I was asking him because I normally would have had someone introduce us first. But I said, hey... What's the worst thing he could do? Right? Say no. So I asked. Dave Yadin is a Grammy Award winning songwriter and artist. He is currently releasing a record produced by a Grammy winning producer. He has worked with two-time Grammy nominated jazz saxophone player Mindy Bear. on the record. Wild Heart earned him a Grammy nomination and a single that debuted as number one on jazz radio. Showing his impressive range of ability, Dave was a songwriter and keyboard player for post-core, heavyweights, Pierce the Veil, earning him several rock awards, including a gold record. Dave has also worked as a songwriter and musical director for many singers from American Idol, X Factor, and The Voice, including Irina Dedyuk, Casey Abrams, Stefano Lingon, Wanzel Solomon, India Carney, Jacinta Gulisano, and Elliot Yamin. In today's epic interview, Dave shares with us how he got where he is and the love and dedication it takes to follow your passion. Today on Claiming Your Truth Podcast, we have Dave Yaden. Thank Hello. you for coming out today. Welcome, welcome. I, th-
1: I feel welcome. Thank you very much.
0: I mean, you live such an exciting life.
1: <laughs> it, I do.
0: What is a day in Dave like?
1: Um. Well, it depends on... Whether I have my son or not, as you know, a child okay. can drastically change the uh, the course of a day. However, I only have one, and he's five. He'll, he'll turn six September 4th. So what's great now about how is that now I can take him everywhere. So a day, it's really funny. Like, so my friends have a concept that I, um, they say you're so lucky because you get to sleep in but i only sleep 6 hours a night but it chances are it's going to be between 6 a.m. and noon <laughs> um but that is only when i don't have my son <laughs> <laughs> and then those 6 hours move <laughs> but um it's really getting up and um reading i'm always reading some kind of poetry or something like some i try to start the day edifying myself you know yeah uh and then so right now I'm reading Charles Bukowski, who makes me feel not alone in the world. Then it's generally either a some kind of writing session for. Well, I just got done scoring a movie that's uh, actually starring Andy Dick, if you know who that yeah, is. Yeah, I know yeah. who that is. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's a lot of fun. That was a, that was a, I hear your oh. your mic moved. There you go. Oh, thank you. I've um, been
0: having trouble with it today. Perfect. What would I do without you?
1: (laughs) Chasing that mic. So, uh, you know, we've been going back over that movie and like uh, changing things with it and all that stuff. You know, notes from the director on on that stuff. And then working on, because I'm releasing a record right now, it's kind of every day. wake up and try to not be stressed out about how we're releasing it so it's half it's kind of half released right now it's only on YouTube for streaming so it's got to now it's got to go to all of the sites so we have to do that and then it's a, if talking to managers and publishers about getting into like all the blogs and blah 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 so
0: so is Monday Nights and Flight of Voices on the new album
1: the the Flight of Voices they will release it's not I don't think it's Monday Nights that I recorded with Flight of Voices I recorded New York with them okay so they, I actually on my YouTube released the video that they shot, but they uh, on, they have available on iTunes that okay. recording. Uh, and then I have a different recording of New York that I released, but it's with a full band live in the oh, studio, nice. which is different than that one because okay. uh, that one is not a full band. It's a very broken down ensemble. It's a great song. Thank you. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's generally all musicy stuff, and we're handling trying not to be annoyed with uh, having to handle social media stuff. And it's uh, a lot of work. I think it's very beautiful, actually. I think social media is very—it's it, easy to complain about things, so people complain about everything, and some people like to complain about social media. And but for me, as an artist, it's it's beautiful. I don't—I'm the you know if you look at it like if if i look at my youtube channel or my instagram as as a, a tv channel i have no boss i can put out exactly what i want you know yeah. i can put out what i want when i want i can be as personal as i want i can be as artistic as i want i am the end all be all nothing has to get approved and that's very very beautiful and i in general i try to look at it like that it's 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 a good way to look at it yeah it's lovely um so yeah That's part of the day. And then I have a really big event coming up in Los Angeles at the end of this month where uh, I have an artist, Ruben Rojas, who's painting, who we know to get you know him as well, Uh who's painting my nine foot grand piano. So I have a concert grand piano.
0: Oh wow.
1: yeah, and he's painting the entire thing, which is kind of unprecedented. It's a little bit like painting a Ferrari like if you were to buy a Ferrari or a you know Porsche or whatever there's already a very, very expensive paint job on that car because mm-hmm. it's a luxury item. So the same thing with a nine foot with a concert grand, it's already such an expensive luxury instrument, right So that kind of thing doesn't happen very often where you customize something that's already very customized. So Ruben is, it's in his studio right now. We moved it to his is studio. Is it
0: right have love all over it?
1: It's going to have a love theme, and then along the side, it's going to say love is the answer.
0: That's so incredible.
1: Yeah, I, I am uh, super And
0: where is it going to be placed? Like, is it going to...
1: We're doing this, uh, it's a private event downtown at this gorgeous venue called Seventh Place. And there's going to be a huge stage in the middle of this. It's like a warehouse, but very clean and wood ceilings with lights and it It's gorgeous. And uh, there's going to be a big stage in the middle of the room. And the, the band and the piano is going to be set up on that. And then we're going to have some of Ruben's art also around the studio. And then a bunch of art from this tequila company that's sponsoring the whole thing called Me Campo.
0: That's a great collaboration. It's an amazing collaboration. Especially when you guys both have similar messages.
1: Yeah. Well, that's how it got started. Exactly that.
0: I love it when two people come together and just make magic. Me too. So Grammy Award winning songwriter. Let's go back to, you know, earlier than that. Where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in Houston, Texas.
0: Oh, I would have never guessed that. I was trying to sit here. I was sitting here trying to see where you were from, like based off your voice. But I couldn't.
1: I have a very good non-regional accent. You do. You
0: could could have said said L.A. You could have said (laughs) Seattle. I would have, except for East Coast because it's very distinguished.
1: (laughs) Um, I actually do voiceovers because I really enjoy accents, and I'm b- good at several.
0: Okay. I
1: don't know how... Well, actually, that's a very common thing in Texas. In Texas, in the cities, often people don't have an accent. Okay. Uh, I could put one on for you if you want, but <laughs> it makes me s- not sound quite as smart.
0: It makes me blush. <laughs> <laughs> and what other ones can you do? Uh,
1: my favorite one is a Scottish. Accent.
0: Oh, nice.
1: And... Um, which is so much fun. Actually, we do this show at Black Rabbit Rose in Hollywood. And the sound man, his name is Frankie. Frankie Fingers. And he's kind of a legendary, not kind of, he is a legendary sound man on the strip. He's been on the strip doing sound for almost 30 years. And Frankie has a very thick Scottish accent. So now I get to hear him like every Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was it was confusing on Tuesday. I showed up Black Rabbit Rose, and you weren't there. I had a
1: yeah, we just moved next door.
0: Yeah, it wasn't too far of a walk.
1: Yeah, we're just shaking it up.
0: <laughs> Still great. It was more intimate.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah we're I trying something it. new. Yeah, we're, we're gonna go back to Black Rabbit.
0: Of course. <laughs> How did you come out here from Houston? Like, what brought you out to Los Angeles? Well,
1: it's funny. I mean, you know about where where did you grow up?
0: I grew up in Los Angeles. Okay.
1: Yeah. So. Growing up... I don't know... The reason I ask is I don't know if you, if you grew up outside of this country. Because the only the only experience I have is growing up in this country. And I think it's funny that growing up in this country, you... Like 17, 18, there's this massive amount of pressure put on you from all the adults in your life to decide what you want to do. I, I think this is so funny. Now in retrospect, it felt normal at the time. But... Because you don't know shit.
0: Yeah, we don't.
1: And and you're supposed to decide what you want to do. You're supposed to decide, like, like you're supposed to go try another city, you know, like whatever college you're going to go. It's crazy. So what's funny is that I, I look back and, I don't, you know, I um I looked at, I was looking at colleges, I looked at Berklee School of Music in Boston, and I felt like in many ways that they were just murdering music. Uh, so I did not go there. Um which I um, I have friends, and uh, actually someone I've been nominated for a Grammy with, actually Mindy Aber that has graduated, are gone to Berkeley, and I know it's a lot of people have positive experiences there. When I went, it was it just wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, nor was North Texas, which is another big jazz school. Cause I went to go check out jazz schools. So here I am in t- in uh, Houston, Texas, trying to figure out what I'm going to do. I know that I want to do music. What I knew is that everyone seemed to like it when I played and I, kn- and I enjoyed it. So basically it was like, well, I think I'll try to do that for money. That's how that went. You know,
0: how old were you when you started playing?
1: I can't remember. I, I think, uh, like eight or nine, I think.
0: Because your style and the intensity of it is just... That doesn't come just from... Like, you're natural at it. That doesn't just come from practicing. That comes like you have that...
1: I have some you know, natural mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, but, um. Whatever. <laughs>
0: whatever that's called.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, I was like, well, I guess I'll... I had this idea that there was more pop music in Los Angeles than there is in New York, which is actually wrong. But I started... To, I turned my face towards LA. And then my dad uh, is a college professor. And so because of that, there was actually a number of colleges that I could attend I, I, at the time for free because he was That's a college cool. professor. So at the time he was at USC, which is here in LA, as you know. So that was my excuse to go to LA as I went to USC.
0: You see School of Music?
1: Um, I got into the School of Music, but it, you know, again, I think most music schools are, are doing a lot of damage to i think art schools in general do a lot of damage to artists
0: because they're teaching it a certain way and
1: because they don't teach you how to do it for a business oh that's why they they give you they instill the idea or continue the idea that if you're really really good you will make a living and that's not true
0: yeah there's a lot of starving artists out there that are really really good phenomenal yeah phenomenal So, so i see your point
1: you know they have people there that are Doing a good job of, of helping them become better players for sure at all at all those music schools. There are great teachers that are helping students become better players for sure. But they but they you you get these music students just you know graduating and looking at this degree and going what was I thinking?
0: Yeah, it's a piece of paper you can't. Do especially no, with especially
1: it. if you want to go into pop music into into popular music. Popular music no no one like if you there's very few degreed musicians in popular music
0: and then what did you do next after usc
1: well i didn't graduate from usc um i signed a record deal with atlantic so i i got into while i was going there i found a band and then found another band and and that band uh all of a sudden we were the way that it worked actually was i I got into a band and then we went to go hear another band that a buddy of ours was in And I remember hearing the band and going, oh, I've been looking for this band for three years. This is phenomenal. And they didn't need... The lead singer played piano. So I was like, well, you know, I didn't even think about it. But I didn't know that they were looking for a Hammond organ player. So they asked me to play, oh, man, within a week or two of hearing them. They asked me to come play with them. It was amazing. I remember we went and heard them at a... Oh, man, what's the name of it? Martini Lounge is the name of this. Do you remember that? Mm -mm. So Martini Lounge is now like an apartment I mean it was like (laughs) raised to the ground right and then something was built in its place but it was so it was this crappy crappy little Hollywood venue on Melrose right right where Larchmont hits Melrose okay and I remember I walked in it was a Monday night at midnight and it was jammed. And and I had been in a band, in, like, college bands, and, like, we had been trying so hard to get people to come out, and it was really hard to get people from USC to come out and hear us at the venues. And, like, we were always fighting to get a Friday or a Saturday. And I remember being, like, mad because I realized there was something that I didn't get because it was, like, 1230 on a Monday night, and this venue was slammed with, like, these beautiful fucking... Hollywood hipsters and stuff like that and sorry I dropped an f-bomb sorry about it's
0: that. okay was we can drop more <laughs> <laughs>
1: and I was like I I, just, I, I remember being angry because I realized there's there must be something I don't get because I don't we can't bring people out like this and really what it was is that the music just people felt it and I was in bands that were it, I was in bands mostly I wasn't in my own bands I was playing with, with other people and um, so I got into this band, and and that was at the time that I thought that like that's what I wanted to do. What I,
0: year was this, if you don't mind me asking? I don't
1: mind my uh, mind you asking. Two thousand three, I think. Two thousand two, two thousand three, two thousand four, okay. somewhere around in there. Let's see, was it was it that? Ninety eight. I came I came to LA in nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, actually, probably would have been like two thousand, maybe two thousand one, okay. right around there. Yeah. I just thought they were phenomenal. It was the first band that I'd seen that was like, that moved me just as a human being. It was the first band that I watched and I was like, holy crap, these guys are amazing. And, um,
0: and it was jazz music?
1: No, no, it was rock and roll. It was okay. Americana rock and roll, very like black, rosy, mm. uh, Zeppelin y rock and roll. That's cool. Yeah, it was awesome. And that band uh, went through a couple different like lineup changes and stuff, but that band, I joined it. And then, like, I think a year and a half later, uh, we signed a record deal with Atlantic.
0: Do you know that... What was the name of the band?
1: The name of the band was First Man.
0: First Man. Yeah. Okay, i will have to look them up. See if I can find some, some videos. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I doubt that you could find videos. What's funny about that is that it was before social media. It was before the internet. Well, no, social media. It was before social media was anything. Yeah. It was before YouTube. You know? Yeah,
0: because I graduated high school in 2004, mm-hmm. and we didn't have... I don't think any of us had phones i don't think right yeah. i mean maybe if you yeah i don't think it was like the nokia ones like right
1: I <laughs> no no right that's a, that was my yeah first one. No, is, I, I, yeah yeah so absolutely. i'm thinking
0: like 2004 so if this is like 2000 then there's not gonna be any oh, footage yeah.
1: no Uh. Uh-uh. that was like we had the what was it
0: the good old days
1: yeah that was like had that like nokia block phone <laughs> yeah that everybody had you know and yeah and and back then there was no texting Actually, Mm-mm. that's what's crazy. I mean, the, you know, that it's I, there's a lot of things that I miss about those days because human beings weren't plugged in to their yeah. phone 24 and, seven. And we and what's funny is that, like, I think younger people are maybe they won't understand. That sounds like something an old person says. And it, it's not. It's that. Because we had something exactly like that. It was called TV. And there was all kinds of rules that were made over the years in families with TV. And some people had a TV in every room. And some people, you could only watch certain programs or whatever. But TV is the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. All the old social media is and all that. It's just TV on your phone. You just tune out. You tune out. You don't realize that your mouth's hanging open and you're fucking drooling, you know? you don't realize that you're it's video games that's that's all it is it's nothing like the internet and social media it's it's not especially things like instagram and youtube and stuff like that because what it is is we're just watching we're looking at pictures and watching videos that's what we're doing yeah exactly that's exactly what tv was is right it's just that we're it's so convenient that people now accept it on their phone and it used to like before that when you walked into a bar like everybody looked up and you know that just doesn't it's non-existent When you walk into a bar, like, the thing is, now you walk into a bar, and you're used to walking into the bar, and if the bartender's bored, the bartender's on their phone, checking a text or something like that. Yeah, Like, it used to be, like, that's the thing, is you, you have to say to someone, can you imagine, like, it's a crazy thing, for example, that, like, Dave Chappelle does shows where you have to check your phone when you go to a show. Like, they have a phone check. Check your phone, and you go in. And, like people they freak out at the thought of not having their phone but it's so ridiculous because human beings all the way until about 10 years ago which is not that long ago went everywhere without their fa- and you know and a phone in your pocket a cell phone in your pocket even 10 years ago is not what it is now you know you, no. just, you were just getting phone calls you weren't you know yeah you weren't watching videos you couldn't watch a movie so, you know, I miss I miss that about those days. I miss that especially like like lives the live scene. It just killed the live scene everywhere. Cuz people have in many ways they've stopped going out. They have the idea I know what's going on because I have this feed here. And they stopped living. Crazy.
0: I was like I think I watched the iHeart Music Festival live stream.
1: Right. Well, but, and that's that's one yeah. thing. I mean, they do that kind of. They did that kind of thing on MTV, where you could watch. You know, if you couldn't be there, you could watch it on TV mm-hmm. or whatever. I'm just saying that, like the like human beings were never plugged in like they are. No, they were never plugged in all, all the way up until again. Like I said, like 10 years ago, it's not that long ago. They weren't plugged in like this. It's, it's oh gosh, it's, it's like it just again. You know, you learn to live with it or whatever. And I and I do feel like actually because there are is a generation like your kids generation my kids generation are growing up with it it's actually not as big of a deal but i think for everyone between 20 and 40 those people are those are the ones that suffer the most with the phones because it's it's new it's not it's it's still novel people that are growing up with it they don't care
0: yeah I can see that because my my oldest son has a phone and it's like nothing. It's just, you know, that's his phone. And he watches YouTube videos, but he's not like how you said between 20 and 40 where it's like an obsession.
1: Yeah. So, um, but man, I mean, like, dude, clubs used to be every club. Do you remember that? Like every club, every bar was full because that was the only way that you could go and find new people and find new music. That was the only way. You had to go out yeah you just had to go out it was a dice roll i remember going out every night of the week right it's it was so exciting (laughs) everybody went out it was so dope like it was so dope to go anywhere because everywhere was full because everyone was out and and when you went out no, that phone didn't exist so you went in where a bunch of people are clicked on yeah no one's plugged in no one's checking a text Like, that's the funny thing. Go watch Swingers. You know, the way that it was, there's a there's a funny part in the movie Swingers, you know, where he checks his messages and Vince Vaughn's character leaves this long message going, hey, man, we're going to we're going to go out tonight. Uh, We're going to go here or we're going to go here at this time. And then so and so is playing here at this time. We're going to do that. And then, of course, if that's not going, we're going to be here. And then like late night, we'll be here or, of course, here. Right, and he like (laughs) and he leaves his friends this his friend this litany of stuff because that was the only way. Yeah, you know, you coordinated with your friends and then you went and met. So anyway, blah blah blah.
0: Yeah, no, I remember having a pager, so I feel old saying it.
1: Oh, I had a pager, absolutely, yeah, yeah. So. But that was that was just that was just a note to call somebody. Yeah,
0: like hey and then call you had to turn home. around
1: to your friend with a cell phone and be like, Hey, I need to call
0: Can I use your house phone? I need to call my dad. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know what I miss about it and not to go off on like sidebar, but having those like phone call like people actually calling you and like now it's just all there's a disconnect and it lost its personal touch because people would actually pick up the phone and call you versus yeah. text messaging. I used to be on the phone for hours. Right. Oh, yeah. Girlfriends you had, or yeah. the boyfriend of the week right. or whatever. And yeah. You to, high, falling yeah. asleep on the phone. That's right. Yeah. You had
1: to get your... The, the Every teenager needed to have their own phone just because they yeah. were talking to everybody all the time. And
0: having your dad answer the phone. It's just, it's just like a... A rite of passage yeah. to growing up, having your dad answer the phone and asking, who is this?
1: <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Who's
0: calling my daughter? And now it's just, everyone has a cell phone. That's right, so it's
1: yeah. Like it, I had to be taught, like, how to talk to somebody's parents.
0: Little hurdles were, that, you know, were, we were accustomed to, you know, like, uh, well, that like were stepping s- stones. That like, were socializing like, us. Yeah, socializing. They were socializing
1: us, socializing us, and now we don't have those.
0: Yeah, we just, it's just like, you call someone... On the iPad, or you call someone. Well,
1: a, and people actually don't have, people don't have phone etiquette. There's actually, there's very, uh, uh, on the internet, there's viral videos. I can't remember, what's the name of that one? Of oh,
0: etiquettes? No, 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 no. there's a viral etiquette.
1: videos about about what the the younger generation has, how they've been affected. Like, our generation actually, if you're in your late 30s and older, you still have the old etiquette to fall back on. So our generation tends mm-hmm. to put phones away. Or if you have somebody has a phone out, and I I can call somebody on that. I get, I not call them on their phone, but like, you know, be like, yo, put your phone away. What are you doing? Yeah. We're about to have a meeting. Put that away. And that's fine, right? But the people, like, but in a, on a, in a boardroom where everyone is in their early 30s or late 20s, everyone's got their phone out. And there's, um, oh man, what's his name? There's a really great there's a really great video about a guy that's talking about how it's about you know the millennial generation and that they are like through no fault of their own Mm -hmm. they are um, not socialized in a lot of the ways that like actually help us and they're not forming relationships and he gives actually a really great example of that, you know, everybody comes in to say, uh, you know, if you're in a corporate situation where everyone comes in to a meeting, right? They're having a meeting. There's 20 people in there right now. There's 20 people in there waiting for so-and-so to get the meeting started. Everyone's on their phone. And when, before the phone existed, you're just sitting there by you are, what are you, the fuck are you going to do? You're either going to be looking at what you're about to say, or you talk to the person next to you right you don't sit there no one sat there in awkward silence there's conversations and in those moments you it's that thing where it's like oh hey did you like hey i i heard your y- y- your dad was sick did i hear that right or oh yeah no, he's better though oh that's really good and like in that moment there's a bond form yeah right or like, oh, hey, did you finish that thing? Oh, no, no, I, I wasn't able. I didn't have the time. Oh, I can help you with it. Like there's those little things where you, you form.
0: The social norms.
1: Well, and you that's how relationships are formed right there, right? And all those little moments for a lot of people, they're just not having them. They're just gone. They're it's, becoming it's, it's, antisocial. They're, they're gone. You know, I, and I got to check myself. I have to check myself when I, I'm, you know, standing in line at 7-Eleven, you know? And maybe not. And when it's more important is when I'm standing in line to buy something at the corner store next to my house, because that person on the other side of the you know the the uh, counter sees me every day. But if I'm always on my phone, I, I like I'll I'll go my whole life not getting to know that person. But before cell phones, you know that person's name. You That's say true. hey, what's up? That that, that was normal. That's just normal for everyone. You didn't have to be an extrovert, right? it was normal to know your, you know, mailman's name and these, whatever, you know, you know, it's, and now it's just,
0: it's lost.
1: Yeah. But I mean, whatever, I, I, am I'm a little down on it, but the point was though, is that I do try to stay focused on what is positive and that's to put as good of, you know, we got on this via, you know, what's a, what's a day in my life like, and, and I do think about that, but I think about it in terms of the content that I'm going to put out. And I made a commitment a long time ago Uh, when social media first came out to not I tend to be a snarky person and it's just really hard for me to put up with bullshit my bullshit meter is sensitive and but I I vowed to myself years ago that I was not going to put anything negative on the internet you know like I was I was gonna you know like just tweet it tweet something you know whatever I caught myself the other day because um, I got an invite to a party from like uh an acquaintance and the person made the invite like they're like oh hey you know i'm having a they said i'm having a dope gathering of people like on this night i'm like oh that's awesome i would like to that's great i haven't seen you for a while and then the next text was like sweet i you know like uh bring some people i'll give you a discount code and i'm like oh oh you were trying to make money on me that's 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 a little fucked up, right? Yeah, it is. I'm so, like speechless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the thing was is that I was gonna like tweet that or Instagram. I was wanted to put that on my story. Like when someone invites you somewhere and you think that it's gonna like you, because they're friends and then they tell you how much it's gonna be. And I was gonna put that out there, but it's just that's just negative and we have enough negative shit. I was like, you know what, I can't so the, I, I made that a rule for myself. I don't I don't, That's good. Yeah.
0: I like that rule. Yeah. How did you come up with, you know, the whole up is the answer? Like, where does that stem for you?
1: It, it, it's actually really, I think for some people, it's probably really natural, but it, it took me a long time to get there. Uh, and it came from being religious, which I am not anymore, but in a search for truth and God, that is, I finally have arrived that, that I, I guess I just have lived long enough that I have seen that when I act in a selfish philanthropic manner toward my fellow human beings that it elevates my own spirit while I elevate other people's spirits makes me feel good and it makes other people feel good and I see that positive things happen around me and I feel like I have seen that consistently in the lives of other people that are doing the same thing that are trying to be loving and I characterize love as selfless acts and acceptance and understanding So, and I had to get there because religion led me down a path where I did not accept myself because I was taught that God did not accept me. So, and I believed it wholeheartedly.
0: And what about you didn't he accept that you felt that he didn't accept?
1: Well, in the Christian religion, God doesn't accept a lot of things that occur very naturally for us.
0: That's true. My
1: sexuality is evil, right? That's, that's a big one just for us as like as as human beings like as animals we're sexual creatures so this means that we have like sexuality affects us all the time it's one of the most powerful things in our life and and even to make a statement like that sometimes people don't realize it and it's just like dude why do you think like it affects everything that's why beautiful people are in commercials that's why beautiful people are in movies sexuality affects everything it is used by corporations to sell products to get you to spend money right All of that in your religion is bad. You're only allowed to feel sexual toward your spouse, and that's only after you've married them. It's absolutely crazy. It is crazy. It's crazy. You know, my initial reaction to that was just like, basically, I just thought I was a piece of shit. And um, there's a lot of stuff in the Christian religion that reinforces that. It's like, yeah, you are. You're just lucky that God is forgiving. He's perfect and displeased with anyone that's not perfect. But like, you know, he threw us a bone and paid for your sins. But don't get it twisted. You are full of sin. You're full of corruption. You are corrupt. And that is not actually part of the reason why I fell away from uh, religion itself is that I actually, I read the Bible so much that I, I actually was like, I actually don't feel like this is what the, that collection of books is actually putting out there. That's something that like, like that religion kind of a corporate religion my mom always used to say churchianity that churchianity is which has been around a long time and has been used to control people for a long time church has always had a lot of power It used to have way more power than it does now
0: yeah I agree
1: you know but that has that construct has remained like in our culture and um so it you know led me down a path where I was really felt hopeless that I would ever be able to like anything that would make God happy. And I wanted to make God happy.
0: And what kept you going?
1: I kept on looking for truth. And there were just little things that would happen along the way that made me feel like more and more that the answers that I had grown up with were answers that human beings had come up with and that they didn't have the answer either. But I I had to live a lot of life to test it. Because that's what I did. I had to test everybody's theories. You know, it's like, oh, well, this is true. I'll live that way. And then to find out that I lived a way that I was taught to live and that this thing, these things would happen if I lived that way. And then those things didn't happen. I'm like, okay, well what, what's going on then? Like, why is it that I'm living in this way, being faithful to my wife and like waking up every day? I read the Bible every day of my life all the way until four years ago. Wow. And I'm doing this. Like I go on tour and like every day I I leave the bus and go find a place to read the Bible and pray. I do this every day and I'm faithful to my wife on the road and all this stuff. Why is, why is like thus and such a person that I'm on tour with that like I watch abuse people cheat on their wife on the road and do all of these things. And yet they're achieving all this success that I have fervently prayed for and adjusted my life to how, why? Well, the, the answer is, well, cause that shit doesn't matter, but you have to, you know, see that. You have to live it so
0: and that's how you found love
1: love has been a consistency my whole life i have had loving people in my life right my parents were loving my brother loves me i my uh, now ex-wife she loved me she still loves me like like i've had people in my life love me i've seen what love does and i have found that that's the rule that's why i arrived at it i have found that I've been alive for 41 years and the thing that is consistent more than anything else is love. When someone does loving things for other people, that it almost always yields, it always yields the same result.
0: Yeah, and also spreads, love spreads. You yeah. do a loving thing to one person and then they turn around and do it and it's just contagious. Yeah,
1: well hate can spread too, you know, yeah. but, but the thing is, is that you just see the difference though. When someone is loving you, you, it's, just, its the most consistent and beautiful thing. It has been the most consistently beautiful thing in my life. Thus, I have arrived at this conclusion and tattooed it on my body.
0: I think that's a great <laughs> conclusion to have. I know more people should be living that way loving and loving, versus hatred.
1: Well, I mean, I think that they should be not just because it—not uh, even because it's the right thing to do. Just because actually, it just makes it, it does tend to make life easier. Yeah. I mean, that's my experience anyway. For you know?
0: sure it does.
1: And, and I do think that we, I, I, I feel like I have seen that we thrive in community, that we thrive when we're supporting one another, that we f- thrive when we're helping one another, that we do selfless acts for one another. I've seen, I feel like I've seen that very consistently in the 40 years that I've been alive. So, um, that is again, another way that I have reached that conclusion.
0: I love it, and I'm definitely want to spread it myself. Because when you help others, you're you know helping yourself at the same time.
1: Oh yeah, the, I I know people that are addicted to going like going on these trips to like Africa to dig wells or build houses, and they and I have a friend of mine actually uh an actor uh, named Travis Van Winkle. I don't know if you know who that is, but sounds um, familiar. Travis, I remember him talking about going overseas to help communities that had much 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 less and saying honestly i, I go for myself cuz the feeling that you get truly helping those without is not comparable to anything else
0: i believe it. it's emotional yeah gratifying. the way
1: the way that it elevates you but that's to me that's a key in our existence our existence is very there's so much mystery around our existence we don't know why we are here we just know that we're here right and so I'm always very interested if there's, if there's anything that like human beings consistently react the same way. I, I feel lucky that one of those consistencies in my life is, is music, right? I, I, am, I still find it. I don't know why people like what I do. I don't know why. I just know that they do. I know that consistently they do, no matter what kind of person it is for some reason there's something that so that's a that i am very fascinated with those those are odd consistencies you know I, like like no matter who you are like no matter who you are you know in, in general like a hug will help especially if you're in pain yeah. there are people that don't like to be hugged for whatever reason right but like if that person is in pain like that hug somebody else reaching out like no matter who you are it helps why that's very very interesting this is a consistency in our lives as human beings. Anyway.
0: Well, the way I felt with your music and how I fell in love with it was—it's—it's it's like if there's no words. It's a feeling that you get hearing it, and it's so powerful. Like it hits your soul down to your toes. It's just Thank like. You. <laughs> And I don't want to say I'm gonna I'll cut this out, but like it's orgasmic. Like it's just it hits your body. Please don't
1: please don't cut that out.
0: <laughs> it hits your body in a way where you can just like listen to it and like be and overwhelm yourself with it because it's so powerful. And like I said, there's no words with well, the ones that I listen to, and it just takes over your body and your mind. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like a meditation, almost mm-hmm. like you go somewhere else. Right. That's how it made me feel. Like, oh, like awesome. I think I listened to that um, one I told you like a hundred times. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> the cover song.
1: Oh, yeah, the Pierce the Veil yeah. team. Oh, yeah, man. I, I really <laughs> like that song. That was a lot of fun.
0: It's such a good song, and I was on my flight and no, no Wi-Fi, so I only had a couple downloaded songs on my phone. <laughs> I like
1: that. Excellent. Lovely. I uh, Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Not to go off too long, but, yeah, it was a little obsessive right when i first heard it because i grew up i told you playing piano and right. with a musical background and i kind of fell off the wagon with it so hearing hmm. your music it just was like made me feel like i could have stuck it out more i could have you know if i really really hmm. wanted to do it right if it means so much to me why didn't i continue playing or continue singing and doing all that and i kind of right. just society and seeking that validation like it wasn't okay to right. You know, you need to do better things. You need to do bigger things. and Yeah,
1: you know you know what's interesting? I, I found that I, this is, I really wish, this kind of goes back actually to that thing we were talking about with being 18. And, and like, it's an older, it's an older cultural construct that does not actually work as well anymore. Where it's like, you graduate high school, you choose your college, you have, you choose a vocation, you study for that vocation, you get out of college, you go get a job with that degree, and you make a living. Right? Yeah. And that also turns into the idea that we're not super well-rounded human beings. I think in America, I, I can't. I don't know. I can't talk about it. Other countries, but we don't like the arts. We talk a lot about that the arts have suffered so much in education and in schools. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that it's like, well, goodness gracious, you don't me or you or anybody. We don't. You don't have to be so good that you would do like music for a living but to to have an idea that you have to put it away which a lot of people have had that idea well i can't do this anymore or, i'm like is terrible this is something that we should all have music is a language that we should all speak we should speak it fluently you know
0: yeah i agree and
1: and and it's not it's not uh i mean there's only seven notes in the in the western scale you know it's it's not it's not that complicated it's, it's just not Now, that doesn't mean... It's just like language. Like, you know, when I play, it's improvisation. And what people don't realize is that everyone is capable of improvisation on a very, very high level. And we improvise when we speak, right? You and I are doing this. We're taking our vocabulary. We're putting together ideas, words, phrases. A lot of the things we've said, we've said before, phrases we're using, we use all the time. But we're putting it together in slightly different ways to communicate exactly what we feel in the moment, which is what you're doing when you improvise in music, right? Right? Well, if you're able to do that with speech and with language and in, in complicated emotion, it follows that you should be able to do it with music, but the, but the idea is not put out there that you should be able to do that. The idea is put out, Oh, well, only people that are talented can do that. So what ends up happening, it's, it is as silly as, as if, you know, what if in, in our culture, it would be the same thing as if in our culture, the only people that could speak were the ones that were gifted to speak. Right? Like, in other words, I am a gifted orator, right? I've delivered sermons back when I was a Christian. I like speaking in front of crowds. I enjoy it. I am good at saying exactly what I mean, you know, and I tend most of the time to be dynamic. <laughs> but um, but so the thing is, so I'm gifted at that. Well, it'd be like, well, so I'm the one that talks, and then someone else, That, but because everyone is expected to speak, right? Then I can have a conversation with someone, and we can exchange very complicated emotional ideas, even though they may not be able to speak as well as I can, right? That should be how it is in music. Everyone should be able to pick up an instrument and play. Everyone should be able to hear what's on the radio, pick up an instrument, and play along with it. That is not a complicated skill, but it's taught to us that it is a complicated skill.
0: Yeah, because it sounds incredible to do, but it's it's, to me, it would be near impossible.
1: Right. Well, it's, it's just like you look at it this way. Like everyone can talk, but not everyone can rap, right? True. You know, there are people that can freestyle rap. It's, it's absolutely, if you've ever actually been in the presence of someone who's actually like, because very few, few people can actually do it. A lot of like rappers are freestyling and they're not quite freestyling. They're saying a bunch of stuff they said already. But, but the point is, is that um, that is someone that is incredibly gifted with language, right? But that doesn't mean you and I can't speak true that doesn't mean we can't sit here and exchange complicated ideas and carry on a long long conversation that's how it should be with music we would still have our geniuses in music we would still have that but everyone should be able to play it would make us more well-rounded people because it would give us an emotional outlet it would create I believe a lot more emotional intelligence
0: And what would you do if you could change that
1: if I could change the what?
0: way that we look at you know music being difficult
1: well, I mean, I do as much as I can. I do when anyone ever asks me for a lesson. I teach lessons when people ask me. And, and I talk about it when I can, like I'm talking about it right now. And I yeah. just, you know, I put the idea out there. I do it with my son. My son, I don't care if Wolfgang is talented or not. I just care that he can play. So what I do with Wolfgang is the same thing I do with everyone I teach is what I do What we should all, the first lessons anyone, in my opinion, should have is ear training.
0: And what exactly is that?
1: It's exactly what we do with our kids when we talk to them. Like, think about this. Both of your kids speak, right? Yeah. And they speak very well, don't they? Mm -hmm. Of course they do, right? Did you teach them? Did you teach them to speak with a book? No, you didn't. What you did is you talked to them until they started to talk back to you. And then you know, four, five, six, we start to actually teach them to read. But even when we teach them to read, how do we teach them to read? By reading to them. That's how we teach them. Yeah. And eventually they start to read. That's how you teach music. Music is a language. You teach language the same way. And, and, and in that, by the way, what's interesting is that, you know, that this is why there are so many different theories on how to teach language because even language especially in high school and most high schools in in here in america anyway is taught very badly all of us have had years and years of french or spanish or something and all anyone can say is you know where's the library and where's the bathroom (laughs) you know and how are you
0: very true and you know
1: why we know those because where is is useful and how are you is useful so they're the only things we ever use so we're you don't but the, the, it's crazy. When you are taught a language, the first thing that someone does is they sit down and open a book. You, and it's like, no, that's not how, that's not how you learned your first language. Why would you learn your second one that way?
0: Lead by example.
1: Yeah, and you and, and the way and, and the, the way to learn a language, as everybody knows, is total immersion. That's how you learn it. You know.
0: Yeah, I went to an immersion elementary school and only taught Spanish up to I think fourth grade. And then once fourth grade hit, we started learning English there you go so I learned how to read and write in Spanish first and this is in Los Angeles before they taught English because they wanted to make sure like you got Spanish down and then they started implementing the English portion Mm -hmm. but we weren't allowed to speak English in the classroom or anything it was solid like Spanish only I love that that's awesome
1: yes I mean I wish music So when I teach music I always teach ear training the first thing I do with any student whether they're a kid or whether they're an adult is I turn the radio on and we sit down with the piano and I go try to play with it
0: and you suggest piano being the first instrument to teach a child no
1: you learn whatever okay piano is visually laid out very conveniently so in, in that way it's I, I it's it's a it's a wonderful way to start learning music but I mean I, I have lots of friends that that are brilliant musicians that don't play piano actually mo- I mean most professional musicians I find play more than one instrument though
0: yeah I mean, you, you play piano and you play guitar and
1: drums and yeah, yeah, banjo.
0: Be your own band.
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: <laughs> what would you tell someone who is currently struggling to be a musician and just starting out and trying to?
1: Depends on what they're struggling with. Like, you know. like because they're not being able to make money playing music is exactly. that yeah. Well, number one, which is something I said much earlier, that talent does not necessarily is not directly linked to making money. And in fact, that there's a lot of people we see this in acting all the time, <laughs> all the time. There's lots of people that are bad actors there they knew how to get the jobs so they got the jobs you know yeah and that's how it is doing art for money is is you have to learn business that's really what it is you know so and then I would also say that no matter what you're doing whether it's art or anything else if you're I think a big a big problem is that there is a lot of shame felt if you're not making a certain number amount. Oh, well, I can't pay my rent with music. I must not be good. That's not like, what? That's crazy. That's that's crazy. That's not true, right? Well, so the thing is, is that you might be, if you didn't believe that, you would be happy with your whatever job it is that you have that pays your bills and playing music. You'd be happy with both of those because you know that just because you're not being able to pay bills with music you are not immediately associating it with. I can't pay bills with music because I am, I am not talented. I can't pay bills with music because people don't care about what's coming out of my heart, and I'm and and translating it. To, you
0: got to reword it
1: that this is how people feel, and they shouldn't feel that way. And 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 if you look at history, history is like is tells us over and over again that that's not how it is. But we only but what's hard is that you only see people after they make it. You don't see the road to success. You only see success. So you have this idea that talent equals success, especially if you're looking at someone who is successful that has talent. You're just assuming, well, that's why. You don't know the road. You don't know how many times they got turned down. You don't know that Theodore Geisel. Do you know who that is? Dr. Seuss.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) Do you know his story? I do not. Well, So it's it's, you can look this up on the internet, but he was turned down by every publisher, all of them. He was turned down by all publishers, and he was. The story that he tells is that he was in New York, with like a couple manuscripts that he had finally been turned down by everyone with, and he was on the way to throw it away and do something else, and he ran into a friend that had just, you know, that he knew in the business that had actually just been promoted in a publishing company. And that friend actually had the power to publish him, and so that friend published him. Theodore Geisel was turned down by everyone. Dr. Seuss was turned down by every publisher. Everyone.
0: I couldn't even imagine not having Dr. Seuss books.
1: Exactly. But this this is an, this is a story that we don't know about artists. I was I was telling you I was reading reading Charles Bukowski. Like Bukowski, I, I believe he didn't become famous until he was uh, in his fifties. Um, And we know that story about Morgan Freeman. I mean, Morgan Freeman was, you know, wasn't paying his bills with acting until he was well into his 40s. And these are these are like profoundly, massively famous, profoundly talented artists. Think about Morgan Freeman. Right. Yeah. So that means that he did plenty of acting that people didn't care about or they didn't care enough about to make sure that he got an agent that was getting him work or whatever, you know
0: we didn't give up that's the difference yeah
1: so one of the bands i played in I played with this guy named Josh Kelly for a long time and Josh Kelly is uh we did this uh we did a music video Josh Kelly was on uh Disney's label on Hollywood Records and we did this video with this actress named Katie who uh was in the second season i think of this TV show called Grey's Anatomy and they
0: Catherine sp- Higgo okay <laughs> i was trying to think cuz i watched that show <laughs> right
1: so the point is, is that Grey's Anatomy is what made Katie, is what put Katie on the map. Katie was a child actor.
0: That took a long time then. It took a long
1: time. Long time. Katie was a child actor. And she was in big movies. She's in a movie that's like, uh, that's, that is literally starring her and Gerard Depardieu. It's a comedy where they like go on vacation. I can't remember what the name of it is. I think she's 14 in it, though. Massive movie, huge studio, and it didn't make her famous and it stars she and Gerard Depardieu she plays his daughter and it's a comedy about them like going on she's like or she's not I think I can't remember if she's 14 or 16 but the point is is that she's she's just old enough that people think that he's a dirty old man yeah,
0: going somewhere with Yeah I actually the, have watched it and he's like
1: plays the piano in it Yeah and yeah and he plays the Little I, like, Girls Little Girls yeah and people are like oh, they're, they're so, and he's singing it like because he loves his daughter and people yeah. are like horrified and he's like <laughs> This old man out with his. I
0: forgot. Yeah. yeah, I would have never.
1: Yeah, that's Katie.
0: I would have never put two and two together. So
1: anyway, so the point is, you know, that we have this idea that that, that like that. Well, if I'm talented, I'll like, and that's the thing. Well, if you know, if I'm talented, then then I'll make it. I'll this. All that. Oh my God, it's just not true. It's actually not true. I, I remember there's this uh, really talented singer songwriter named Rob Giles who's been around in Hollywood for a while. And he's one of the, he's one of, like, I just really, he, he's such, a, he's a dynamic performer. His, um, he had a, the biggest project that he had was a band called The Rescues. And The Rescues actually didn't, they did some big stuff, but they, they got big because they'd had a, a bunch of like big uh, licenses, I think, I believe on TV. They're all very talented musicians. But I remember Rob Giles, like, I remember being so excited because he asked me if, if I. This is like, gosh, this is like 15 years ago. I was so excited because he asked me, will you come play Keys? I'm going to do this residency at this club in in Hollywood called Molly Malone's. And I'm going to do a weekly residency. And I was just so excited because he was so good. I couldn't wait to like be out, play for big crowds of people and play this awesome music and play with this awesome singer songwriter. And I think we did three weeks and... We had to stop. Rob had to call it off because no one came out for three weeks. I think it was three three or four weeks. And like this motherfucker is fucking good. He's great. He's great. And what's funny for me is that actually for me it was positive because I I was like, oh, okay. So it is possible to be. It was a, a, a learning experience early in my early 20s, you know. was a learning experience for me because i'm like oh okay oh you so you can be amazing and like and play to an empty room and that's that you know and it's funny but this is true i it just should be this is what i would tell you know again to to that person that's struggling that's what i would say i would tell these stories i mean i say go on the internet dude there are there are videos on youtube of like famous musicians like um well, there's, I think, there's one of a famous violinist. He's like a first chair violinist, London Philharmonic. He's, I mean, is like a Yo-Yo Ma level. Yeah. And for that reason, for that matter, it probably Yo-Yo Ma. Like, you could probably stick Yo-Yo Ma somewhere, and they're just gonna like think it's some dude playing cello, right? But the point is, is that there's videos of like decorated, amazing, famous violin players, classical musicians playing in a mall, and people walking by them, just walking by, ignoring them, not tipping. But you have this idea before you're famous that it's like, well, if I'm great, I should walk, be able to walk into a room and everyone is going to stop and listen. Everyone is going to recognize this talent and I'm going to, and then like the word's going to get out about me and I'm going to.
0: I think we're we'll in that like we when know. we're kids. Like, yeah. we're going to get discovered. I'm going to be, right. you know, playing a third street promenade. Yeah. And then someone's going to come up to me want to yeah. sign me.
1: Dude, you know, um, you can actually look up uh, Christina Aguilera. You know, it's funny about Christina. Christina was in the Mickey Mouse Club, right? Yeah. Mickey Mouse Club. So she was already like famous to kids on a huge, huge Disney TV show. And I believe that she made she got turned down by every major label, label except for one. And I actually think she might have got turned out by all of them, and then went back to one that went ahead and decided to sign her. But definitely, she got turned down by every major label but one. That's she crazy. got turned down, and it is crazy because I'm saying not only because she's talented, but because she was already famous. It was already a slam dunk. Yeah. And I do remember that like one. I remember that one. Uh, uh, one label was like, "Oh well, we already have like an R and B singer." <laughs> <laughs> but this is how this is also what happens like when mu- music gets corporate. Yeah. I mean, uh, oh goodness. I, I mean, the stories like I
0: got turned down by every label. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There you go. There yeah. you go. Turned down by every label. Like like but do you know why? Because the people most of the time that are running these labels, they're not artists, they're not musicians. No.
0: They they're just making want something that sells.
1: Yeah. They look around to see if everybody else likes it. They don't have any taste themselves. That's not how things used to be, but it is definitely how things are now.
0: Cra- it's it's so crazy to think a world where with, even without Christina Aguilera, just it's so iconic or Lady Gaga, yeah, yeah.
1: Or, or and, and the, those stories are they're not the only ones with them. Eh? No, they of they course, yeah. Like she, Christina got signed. I, I don't know. I can't remember the. I think. Do you know the age difference between she and Britney Spears? Mm-mm.
0: Maybe, I, I don't know. Maybe one or two years. Not yeah, much. yeah. So, yeah.
1: but the point is, is that Britney got signed before she did.
0: Well, I feel like Christina Aguilera has more talent.
1: She does. She's a monster.
0: Yeah, she is.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying Britney can't sing. Yeah. Because actually there's, again, you can go online and see like videos of Britney actually singing. She can't sing because people love to say that she can't sing and she can sing. But like she can't sing like Christina. Not a lot of people can sing like Christina. But Britney got signed first.
0: (laughs) So what are you working on? I know you have your album coming out here in the next two weeks. What's coming up this year that you're looking forward to?
1: Well, I'm, Really, really looking forward to playing this huge uh, Russian jazz festival, a uh, cocktail jazz party. I'm playing in, I'll be in Russia next week. I've never been to Russia, and uh, it's one of the biggest jazz festivals in the country. So, like, uh, I'm super stoked about that. It's right on the beach, right on the Black Sea. Um, and then I have. Uh, August thirtieth, this event where Ruben is painting my piano, yeah. and we have a—I have a couple of my friends from American Idol coming out and singing that, that are just phenomenal. So, two of my favorite singers. Yeah,
0: so, I, I looked them up actually, and I remember them. Yeah,
1: Casey Abrams and Stefano are just—they're s- smoking. And then my friend Jacob Luttrell is coming out. He's a Grammy award-winning songwriter. He's phenomenal. And uh, then uh, Greta Karen, who's an Icelandic singer, that uh, is just—I'm
0: like, so excited. Oh, you
1: saw—you saw Greta.
0: Oh, yes. Oh, God. I mean.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She's a hurricane.
0: (laughs) Yeah. She's incredible. Like her voice was unheard of. It just reminded me of such like Etta James, Nina Simone. So. Yeah. But less raspy, but it's just so perfectly tuned where it's like, how is that live? Like I can't believe I was listening to her sing live and it wasn't edited or autotuned or. Yeah.
1: Yeah, She's amazing. She's a rare one. Yeah. I agree.
0: Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. I I need to send that email before it sells out. Oh RGP. yeah, you do that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it because the it, cause, uh, capacity of the venue is only four hundred. Okay. So it's going to be like that. first come first serve. Like, I'll do that when, yeah. when we get off of this.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to the release of your album. I'm really excited uh, and to get everyone to thank you, my yeah. audience to listen and t- yeah.
1: We're doing doing touring now, so I'll be in. I'm um, working on a show in Chicago, a couple shows in New York, Nashville. Um,
0: cool. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. This is going to be such a fun year for you.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Is this
0: like your first solo album?
1: No, it's not my first solo album. It's my third. Okay. Um, But it's like I've put out so much other music with other artists. There's actually another artist called Mad in the Hat who's a it's like a DJ drummer. Hmm. Uh, and um, it's all massive orchestral, like dramatic dance music. And I wrote almost all of it he's uh he's uh, david canava is the name of the artist mad in the hat and he is uh my production partner so we wrote all the music together but That's most cool. of the, yeah yeah. so i've uh, written like half of the tunes i think would you
0: plays. say the genre is on the album
1: uh my album mm-hmm. the genre is jazz but it's um i it's very it's i would say it's more like blues funk oh, i can't wait yeah
0: how does somebody get in contact with you if they want to follow you or just follow your journey and maybe um, reach out?
1: Instagram and YouTube are the are the two places that I'm most active. Okay. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I'll have all your contact info at the bottom of the show with your YouTube video and in your Instagram. So if oh. everybody wants to follow him, Dave Yadin.
1: Yeah, that's it.
0: Yeah, Dave Yadin on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it's all just Dave Yadin. I'm,
1: I'm easily searched. My, my last name makes it easier that way. There's not a lot of deviations
0: out there well love is the answer i appreciate Amen. you coming today sharing your story with me
1: i appreciate you having me
0: thank you thank you well that's a wrap i appreciate you for listening to the end and if you enjoyed what you heard please share with your friends and subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the upcoming episodes feel free to send me a message on claimingyourtruth.com or you can reach out to me on instagram at Franny nicole on the go I appreciate you and remember, live your life in gratitude.